0: Another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts for today, Dave, and I am
1: joined by Leonard. How's it going? Hello. I'm it's going well. Um, you know, other than the fact that my states decided to spontaneously combust over the course of a week. Um everything here, personally, is going okay. Uh no need to worry, listeners. I'm in a relatively safe place. I I am Close, but not uh, dangerously close to the fires, because, like I said, California is just completely on fire at the moment. Um, but other than that, doing pretty good. Well, we'll uh,
0: knock on wood here for you. Yeah, we have some other other friends in the in the area. I have a lot of family in California, so <laughs> it's best uh, that it's not all ablaze or any yes. of it really. Yeah, Nothing should be burning um just for the record right well uh unfortunate news aside i guess um well we'll move along here um we are as you may be hearing um absent cameron um he's tired we're <laughs> letting him take a rest uh so it's nothing nothing serious he's just uh, schedules didn't line up as sometimes happens
1: Cameron is—he'll be, is a, he'll be is, back next is, episode. Don't worry. Cameron's yeah. a sleepy boy, everybody. He—he's all tuckered out. He—he he needed a little little rest, but he's definitely going to be back. So yeah. you'll hear back from him pretty quickly. We'll uh,
0: actually have an episode up potentially a little bit sooner than uh, we've been accustomed to. So that's something to look forward to in the coming week or so. Yes. Um, well. Moving on, we'll we'll get on with the uh, yokai of the week, so we can kind of kick things into gear. Um, All right. Well, I have my trusty die here.
1: Okay. Oh, What are we on? Was it? We are on N.
0: And if we're not, we're on N.
1: <laughs> All right, then. Well, as is our custom, Dave. Roll them 14.
0: Uh, I have that as the nude ona. So, this is a female snake like monster who appears on the shore. What shore? Uh, hopefully, it'll tell us and we'll find out. (laughs) Oh, we get a little uh. Picture here. She's a uh, eh, attractive lass, long black hair, spooky tongue. It's a lady's head on a snake body, almost like an eel. Yeah. There's a, there's like little
1: feathery bits along the edges. Yes. It, oh, yes. Very much a a. A lady, a lady snake, and not, not the, uh, what, what was that, um, was it, uh, XCOM 2 that re, that introduced the, the lady snake, uh, enemy variant?
0: <laughs> Is it, I don't
1: remember, I don't know if I've, yeah, oh,
0: the original XCOM, or the sequel uh, of no. the
1: ones? The, the sequel of the new one, I oh, okay. believe yeah, there I was, know, like, uh, i believe that there, there was in fact a a lady a lady uh cobra uh enemy type that they introduced in that one um i'm guessing we're not, it's probably
0: more anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic rather than
1: just a snake lady. with a with lady head yes yes <laughs> i don't know i think this oh. is better so
0: um nureona Wet Woman, uh, is a yokai which resembles a reptilian creature with the head of a woman and the body of a snake. While the description of her appearance varies slightly from story to story, she has been described as being 300 meters in length and has snake-like eyes, long claws, fangs, and long beautiful hair. She is typically spotted on a shore, just a random shore, uh, washing her hair
1: with no hands. Uh well, well. well, apparently she she does have long claws. that 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 illustration is in fact taking liberties with her appearance. So yeah, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, because it is uh it is a significantly creepier image of just yeah. s- snake with lady face. Um. Well, then continue on with the next section. And all right. Uh, let's see. Ah, yes, uh the Nuriana uh intentions are unknown. In some stories, she is a monstrous being who is powerful enough to crush trees with her tail and feeds on human and and feeds on humans. She carries with her a small <coughs> excuse me a small childlike bundle which she uses to attract potential victims. Uh if a well-intentioned person offers to hold the baby for her, the Nuriana will let them. If they attempt to discard the bundle, however, it is revealed that it is not a child at all. Instead, the bundle becomes incredibly heavy and prevents the victim from fleeing. She then uses her long snake-like tong- tongue to suck all the blood from her victim's body. In other stories, the Noriana is simply seeking solitude as she washes her hair and reacts violently to those who bother her. Uh, The Roku... Roku... The Roku Rokubi is a close relative of the Noriana. Let's see. And apparently, the Roku Rokubi are yokais that look uh, shockingly similar to humans, uh, but there are two types. One whose neck stretches, and one whose head comes off and flies around freely. Yep. Close relatives, everyone. uh, uh, I do that, you know, this is one thing that I've always enjoyed about uh, Japanese mythology, is that you have these yokais that are um ten, seemingly tangentially related, and it's like second cousin, and they have vastly different abilities and properties.
0: All right. Uh, I've also pulled up another entry from The Night Parade of 100 Demons, a field-to-yokai. Oh. Our usual, well, I guess book one or two of our usual go-to references. So... According to this, Nureona. Translation, Wet Woman. Alternate names, Nureyomejo. Habitat, coasts, rivers, and other bodies of water native to Kyushu. So we now know at least what island the particular (laughs) shore uh, belongs to. Right. Diet, blood. All right. Appearance. Nureona are vampiric sea serpents who haunt shores and rivers, looking for humans to eat. They are most commonly found on the shores of the island of Kyushu. But there are stories of nure encounters as far north as Niigata Prefecture and as far east as Fukushima Prefecture. There are two variations of this yokai. One without arms, which resembles an enormous snake—oh no, sea serpent with a woman's head, and one with human-like arms. Aside from this difference, the two look and act exactly the same manner. Their faces are hideous and betray serpent-like features such as a forked tongue. They have long black hair which sticks to their dripping bodies. Their name comes from the fact that they are always that they always appear soaking wet. Interactions, while physically much stronger than a human, because they're 300 meters long, um, <laughs> Nudiona <laughs> prefer not to rely on brute force and use trickery and guile to catch their catch their prey. They most often appear near the water, on a coast or by a river bank. Nure-ona magically disguise themselves as a. Bleh. As a distressed woman carrying a bundled-up baby, they cry out for help from fishers, sailors, or anybody passing by. When the prey approaches, a Nuraona will plead with their victim to hold her baby for just a moment so that she can rest. If he agrees and takes the bundle, the baby becomes as heavy as a boulder. The victim is unable to move. The Nuraona is free to then attack her helpless victim, feeding by draining his blood with her long serpentine tongue. And that just became way more disturbing. Nureona um, <laughs> frequently appear together and cooperate with Ushioni as they inhabit the same environments and share the same diet. And there's a picture of this, and it's. So the one with the arms is basically like a Naga from Indian folklore. Okay. It's. or a mermaid. It's upper. It's <laughs> completely a woman, and then it's a snake body. With a yep. Crazy long tail. Um uh, and that is it as far as uh the night parade book is concerned so there we go a little bit more um specifics on location and feeding habits i guess
1: mm-hmm. it's a shame that there aren't any uh any any actual stories through either of our resources about it we do uh tend to find <laughs> find most of our amusement in hearing the details of these yokai's exploits
0: (laughs) yeah i mean and they're out there and if we weren't doing such a brief coverage of this we would uh try to go hunting i guess for more yeah um so i guess on that note uh listeners if you happen to wish for any clarification or further tales from the creatures we've covered so far let us know and we can devote a few minutes uh, in a future episode to taking a look at some of those. Yes. Because we like to do research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that is yokai of the week. Which yes. Brings us around to our main topic, the haunting of hell house limited incorporated. This <laughs> is ghosts. Um, Actually, so the haunting of Hill House, the TV series, which was just um, put out on Netflix on October twenty something, no twelfth, a little earlier than I thought. Yes, October twelfth of this year, so twenty eighteen. Um, the entire series was released as is Netflix's penchant for just allowing binge watching of a series. Um, it is a ten episode series and we'll be covering the goal is to cover the first 5 episodes. We'll see if that actually happens um because these episodes are long, they're like 45 minutes apiece. Yes. Um, however, we won't be diving through the entire episode. There's not um not as much that we would need to cover uh just according to like what our interests lie in, um, there's nothing particularly uh, wrongs the wrong word. Um, the episodes are fine; they're just a lot of drama, and that's outside of our our podcast. I think.
1: Yes, um, uh, and for the listeners unfamiliar. Uh The Haunting of Hill House is a uh, uh is based on the 1959 gothic horror novel by uh American author Shirley Jackson um which has had a number of well is it a can two we number. call two to <laughs> <added>. a number Yeah that's fair um oh man I can't remember the year of the original movie.
0: 60 something,
1: yeah, I'm thinking. Um, which is a classic.
0: I uh, don't see it immediately. <laughs> reference thing. Um, uh, uh,
1: sixty classic. classic. Oh, uh, oh yes. there we go. Uh, which is considered <laughs> a horror classic. Uh, uh, tense, very suspenseful. Um, uh lots of psychological horror, um, and then we have the, um, <laughs> what here is the... 1999. The, yeah, 99. Oh, the, the late nine, 90s, early aughts, when everything that was old was being readapted and repackaged. We got the, the haunting of Hill House. The, uh, uh Liv Taylor is that no ty no um
0: this one had
1: um Lily Taylor. There we go. <laughs> Lily Taylor, Catherine Zetta Jones, um uh Liam geez Neeson. there we go, Liam Neeson and Owen oh, Wilson. Wow, Wilson. Yeah um
0: oh, uh Bruce Turner, but he he was only in there briefly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um which is uh um um not subtle. Um no. covered slathered in CG. Um uh there is uh, I uh, spoilers spoilers for those who haven't seen the 1999 Haunted a uh, Haunting of Hill House. Um Owen Wilson has an hilarious death sequence in that movie um involving a magic carpet ride and a fireplace and no not not in the way that you you're thinking that someone could go out with a fireplace um it's entertaining enough as a popcorn corn flick but as like this movie based on uh, this moody psychological Horror novel uh, slash uh, original adaptation. It's not great, um, which brings us to 2018's uh, limited run series of The Haunting of Hill House. Um, Dave, you want to get into it? Uh, well,
0: I think as adaptations go, the the uh, the 1999 film, while it wasn't. Uh, it was a loose adaptation. I would say that the t v series is actually probably a looser adaptation
1: yes definitely yeah, it's
0: what it's doing is framing uh the so so the original story is around these investigators and psychics um ostensibly going to research a haunted house now the t v series is reframing those investigators as children of a family um, who are uh, renovating a house in order to flip it to sell it.
1: Yes, and
0: so that it makes sense because that's a relatable thing to I think today's culture. Mm-hmm. Those those are concepts that we're familiar with. It was particularly in the last. Fifteen or so years—that's become a, a thing. <laughs> it has right like, a TV series uh, devoted specifically to um, reselling houses. So that's that's like a touchstone that they've used to frame this story, and I guess reframe it. Um, and yeah. because they're children, it casts a little bit more doubt into the nature of um, the paranormal and. Not only that, but the perceptions of outside uh, actors, mm-hmm. and I mean like the media, um, the public at large, have, yes. have been introduced to this in a different way, whereas in the, particularly like the 1999 film, it's an isolated incident. Uh, it's not over a span, I mean, both of them are over a span of days, the actual haunting events. It's not years they're not living in this house for a long time it's a few days right and the uh, the films only deal directly with the the incident doesn't show you really the aftermath um the the 1999 film deals with some of the history of the house and then r- kind of rewrites one of the characters in particular and Changes her relationship to the house as opposed to what we see in the TV series or um, the original book, and mm-hmm. video. but uh, in in framing this show uh, as a family drama,s which it kind of more is, because the the, the haunting incident takes place in 1992. Mm-hmm chunk of the show that we're watching is um, it's pretty much present day yes so we're getting uh, it's kind of an interesting plot device they do sort of a Rashomon feel where each episode is um, centered around one of the children in their adult life and showing Mm -hmm. how this few days of haunting has basically haunted their entire adult existence and formed their identity as adults um, dictated how they relate with other people how other people relate with them that that's really what this is about is family and um, ties and social anxiety and just, it's it's ghosts but not um not the phantasmagorical kind, sort of that you
1: ones you carry with you instead, right? Um,
0: although um, it does have some good ghosts too.
1: <laughs> yes, and and it's it's interesting The the ghosts are are are, are, are seemingly a metaphor for uh, a traumatic childhood incident, and the show, as you were saying, kind of chronicles how these uh, these children of various ages. Um, dealt with the aftermath of the incident the the hill house incident because it is in fact uh called the hill house incident because it is in a very public matter which um is is exactly what you said before and is what moves it away from the old adaptations and the novels um there are aspects of that that i like uh but uh we're here for ghosts aren't we yes and there's um, a,
0: at least three that we see directly and i think yes. there's some more um uh the, the the filmmakers have taken the time to kind of well i guess it's four there's there's a few um, mm-hmm. taking the time to kind of hide them in the scenery as well so they're not all um, front and center i guess is
1: what yes i, I want to say uh yes there are some there's some hidden ghosts lurking uh within frames and scenes throughout the show um i'll probably actually check that out later uh, because uh there is some pretty uh i would say that there's some pretty uh decent cinematography um some uh uh really good set design and uh of course we're going to get into the ghosts because uh, uh there are some interesting ones um uh one in particular is actually my favorite that i've seen so far uh but i think we should start with uh episode uh, one, obviously, um, which is called uh, Stephen Sees a Ghost, which is a very weirdly cavalier title to this show, like to the first episode of the show that is like family drama and like ghost hauntings. it's It feels like a sitcom episode title.
0: It, it does, and then it also pointedly calls attention to the fact that Stephen does in fact not see a ghost or any ghosts or think that ghosts are real (laughs) despite having this um, experience. He's the oldest of the crane children. Yes. And the author of the Haunting of Hill House book within within the film's setting.
1: Yes. And
0: the book that basically cemented a wedge in between himself and, like, the entire rest of his family. Yep. Because he he takes liberties um, with the events that happened in their childhood and basically puts words in everyone's mouth, portraying his mother in a poor light uh, as well as their father and attributes um, specific events to the wrong siblings. Yeah. So it's, it's not a... It's not a great uh move by uh Stephen here, uh although it does make him fairly um wealthy yes, it's implied so uh and he's extended that that um it's not the rights it's the uh i don't know i can't think of the word the thing where uh, you get money from something
1: <laughs> uh royalties yes,
0: he's extended royalty rights to um his siblings. Yes, because ostensibly they're, they're what formed this story. Uh, most of whom decline that um, vitriolically. Uh, they they don't. Yes, they they think he's trading on the memory of their dead mother.
1: Um, right, because of uh, events. Yes, because the 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 Hill House incident is in fact that uh, allegedly. Uh, something happened in the house and their mother died um i will say that my my very first note about uh, uh, uh of the show is uh Stephen equals asshole um i did not i uh i get the character that steven's uh uh is supposed to be but man he is uh, super insufferable um and um Like that kind of weird insufferable where it's he's famous for writing kind of like these trashy uh, ghost stories because he's he's made it into a career of going around the country investigating alleged hauntings and then um, rewriting them uh discovering that there was no haunting and then spinning his experience into a story that is then published as a book um yeah so uh yeah he's kind of like a gross <sighs> he's an an author that writes trashy horror novels that has a an overinflated sense of his value <laughs> i think
0: that and he's um, he's purposely like misconstruing events uh, to potentially the detriment of the people that are telling him these stories, and he yes he uh, doesn't see any problem with that because yeah. it makes him money, right? And it doesn't help that his audience like loves. The um, portrayals he's he's done um, at the expense of the truth, I guess, as as, as it would be, and this Um, of course doesn't sit well with his family. I don't. We don't see interaction from um, any of the other people that he's done this to. Uh, We only kind of see him through his lens, his family's lens, and then the fans. Yeah, who a few of them, particularly in this episode, kind of maybe get a little peek behind the curtain and yeah still don't care enough.
1: yeah yeah i i i thought that was interesting that, that was uh that was something that slightly turned me around on steven in this episode because he's uh he's in is it lorraine uh he's uh investigating this case of this woman whose husband died in a car accident when he uh, veered off the road during a rainstorm and the car landed upside down so it couldn't be seen from the highway and basically died hanging upside down because all the blood rushed to his head and she saw his uh, uh, claims to have seen his ghost hanging from the ceiling, uh, dripping water. And when he opened his mouth, a car horn Uh, came out of it because he was trying to signal for help as he he laid in the wreck and stephen discovers that uh there's probably a chance that that wasn't the case and is completely open to like uh pulling back the curtain and just telling her like i listen i i've never seen a ghost like yeah i write all these stories like take creative licenses I, but I haven't seen, I, I've just never seen one. But I'm gonna write your story anyway because I think it's a good story. So it that placates her um, in a way that allows her to accept that he's kind of a scam artist because you know, she gets to have a book. <laughs> she gets yeah, to, like, exactly. A
0: book. So it's, yeah, it's not great. I mean, the, yeah, the, the character is well written yes the performance is is good so mm-hmm. all of these things come across as believable right this guy's not a good person Hmm. Um, but it's not something you can like you can understand but not agree with i think it's what it comes mm. down to yeah i get what he's doing it's working yeah um, yeah but that doesn't make him any less of like a jerk for right for doing it um and taking advantage of people because that's basically what he's doing is taking advantage of people's grief right and then making yes. money off of it so that's even more uh, objectable um, yeah we do get a few good scenes with uh the the husband ghost um it's fairly effective and it's um quick yes it's, it's just brief glimpses but enough to kind of elicit maybe like a jump scare or, or that kind of surprise feeling because you're not immediately, you're not expecting it. Um, and then they do enough tension building to where you're waiting for something to happen. And it's yes. possible that it might not ever um, reveal itself. Right. Which is good. Um, I mean, it's good to kind of do that bait and switch with the viewer. Uh, it's effective. And then it, it sets up, um, potential for like f- false expectation um uh, later down the road as the episodes progress you're never really sure if they're gonna show you something spooky or if mm-hmm. it's just mood building and then right. of course they flip it around and the parts where you're not expecting anything spooky haha we tricked you it's actually gonna be spooky
1: it's actually gonna be spooky It uh, the 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 show starts with a very slow spooky scene um we flash back to the house uh um one of the uh uh the parents have five the crane parents have five children the youngest are twins um boy and a girl uh it's nell and and luke who share a uh, who share a bedroom um in this creepy super super creepy house uh yeah story. big and creepy and big heavy doors um and uh Nell uh has a what her parents perceive is a nightmare night terror um of the uh bent neck woman which um is is a is a recurring ghost uh throughout the series um and the uh her parents come in reassure, tell her that she was having a bad dream um is this the um uh is this is the opener where they uh uh, uh let her go back to sleep in her bedroom uh correct yes um and uh they long sing, comfort her, put her back to bed and and they frame the shot where Nell's sleeping, laying on her side, and just out of the background you see you start to see the uh bent neck woman come into frame uh hard cut to uh title sequence. So it establishes right away that uh there are ghosts and the bent neck woman is is one of the big players. Um because she appears a lot early early on. Um and uh as far as I I I've seen, I haven't gotten a really good look at her face. Um but I think uh that happens in a later episode.
0: It happens in episode five.
1: Okay. Um but yeah, that's uh you get you get your very classic um, to, to uh frame it in video games as I love to so much, you get your very classic Fatal Frame ghost right on the onset in the haunting of Hill House.
0: Yeah, it does feel a little bit like that. They um, they they do a good job showing different angles, or even not like the the ghost won't fully be in frame, which is a smart yes. Way. Because you're not um you're not fixated, as you mentioned, on any like one feature. Like mm-hmm. you might just get the hair, a couple strands of right. in frame. And that's that's effective.
1: Um, but the uh episode ends with all of the siblings simultaneously waking up and gasping, clutching at their throats. Um uh, because they're scattered all over the country. Um, they don't live in a central location uh, with one another, at least not all of them, um, gasping, uh, clutching at their throat at exactly the same time. And uh, uh, the oh, Well, the ep- episode actually ends with Stephen having uh, left uh, Lorraine's uh, house, come back to his apartment, uh sees nell standing in his apartment uh has a very one-sided conversation with her and then receives a call from his father informing him that uh nell is dead um so who hence he talking to exactly and so that this is this is the the why the episode is called Steven Sees a Ghost because it is Actually, the first time that Stephen sees a ghost, and unfortunately, it's his younger, youngest sister. Now, yes. Um, want to move on to uh, episode two, the open casket.
0: Yeah, this one was um, potentially this one's maybe a little bit harder for people to want to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of the events and the themes that it deals with. You're right. Um, so let's see. I oh, guess. So the, is she the oldest Shirley? I, think I Shirley believe so. Um, yes. So of the crane children, Shirley is potentially the, uh, well, the oldest girl. Um am Stephen's the oldest of the, the siblings. Yes. Um, she in present day is a is a mortician. Yes. And she has two children. She's married. Um but she gets word that her sister has died and volunteers to much to the justifiable and understandable um uh warning. Concern. I, mean, I don't know what it's uh, everyone's telling her not to do this. So she volunteers to um, clean up and ready her sister for an open casket funeral. Right. But that's not something you should probably do like just psychologically sound. it's like being a doctor and working on a family member. Uh, but Exactly. It's like worse because they're dead. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> like recently dead from suicide yes um, um that's what part we uh, we omitted there so Nell commits a suicide as far as um her family is concerned or right it,
1: it, it uh N- yes uh nell returns to Hill house and commits suicide uh um so that's the second death uh as as far as the go- uh, show goes uh, the mother's death hasn't been explained yet it's just that uh that she died in the house um um so it's it's very it's very much implied that she committed suicide in the house but as 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 of episode 2 all that we know is that uh their their mother just died in the house and um uh Shirley's obsessed with um fixing them, fixing people and things in uh in death. Um
0: Yes, because she had an incident as a child in the house where she was unable to save um these little kittens that she had found in a um it's not really a, a shed. Yes. She had found kittens in a shed that had been abandoned by their mother. Um, theoretically and she was allowed to to keep them and you know take care of them but uh, it turns out that they were sick or had some sort of sickness and Mm -hmm. probably going to die whether or not she fed them and tried to take care of them but of course this is framed from the view of a child so it's it's something that she feels she probably should have been able to prevent had she been better at taking care of them yes and that has followed her into her adult life and instead of it's it's been it's been twisted into something else and not to say that um morticians it's not a valuable job because of, of course it is but Rather than becoming like a veterinarian or a doctor, she's taken the other route and preserve decided to preserve health in death. Yes, and that's well. Even even as a child, when when her her parents are discussing what happened, um, her her mother specifically is saying that uh this incident with with the The kitten's passing is, she's like, it's ruined death for her, or I don't remember what the exact words. Mm -hmm. But she's saying that this is going to ruin her understanding of death. Like, it's too soon to know, like, death can occur in this way. Right. It doesn't make it feel like a natural progression. It feels like something that could have been changed or is more horrific than need be. Uh, Right, And as parents, they feel that they've failed to um, shield her from that aspect until she's older. Because she's still young. These are all young children. Yes. And and her, I mean, potentially her mother was not wrong in that assessment. And um, now, you know, Shirley has a specific view of death that is a little different, I think, than um, everyone else uh additionally her i think what it came down to is not not specifically the kittens but her um was it her her mother also had an open casket funeral and uh a friend of the family was a a mortician and yes had done all the the makeup and all of the the post death um Rep, uh, repairs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the one that guides her to like the open casket because she didn't want to go see her her dead mother at the funeral, right? And uh, Shirley's like, "Oh, she looks like she did. Like, she looks peaceful." And um, the the she's like, "Yeah, I I made her that way. Like I fixed her up." Yeah, and that I think was the maybe the cementing is no, not issue, but cementing aspect that tells her that while you can't fix the co- like death happening you can right. do
1: something afterward right and you can
0: that's what she's taken to heart
1: right cuz uh one of the things one of the things that uh that Shirley seems to fixate on is pictures of of people when they as were alive they were, yeah as they were like their, their right. happiest moments and she's
0: she also uses that um in dealing with the subject of death to her own children Mm -hmm. because they grow up in a household where the, their mother fixes up bodies like in uh, a building adjacent to the house or it's attached to the house. I think it's the basement actually. Well, because they they live in a, I think they're living in a um, parlor. Yeah, they are. They they, they, yes,
1: (laughs) their home. Their home is also their their mortuary parlor. It's 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 their home and business, uh, all rolled into one. Um, it is actually really interesting. I kind of uh uh took note and noticed that I appreciated that the kids that Shirley's children weren't weird and like uh portrayed as weird or maladjusted because their mother.
0: Well-adjusted kids that she's taken the steps to ensure that they understand what she does as a job, but still not um, still keeping things that they don't need to see like away from them. Right. So they may have a curiosity of it, and she specifically, you know, lets them know that if you have questions on it you know ask me there's an appropriate time and place to ask questions right. and I'll answer them uh, so she's not hiding anything from them there's just things that they're prohibited from experiencing before you know they were uh, psychologically ready to, to see that kind of thing
1: or right to, um, I mean, right yeah. and uh, like I said I really appreciate that because you know the easy route is like oh the mom um, and she has the weird like morbid kids but I, I really appreciate like yeah no you can you can have this kind of job and many people do and have well adjusted families and families that aren't like aren't the Adams family because you're, you're one of your parents is a mortician Um, it was just uh, an aspect of that mm-hmm. I really I really liked Um, so um uh and nobody wants her to do this. Uh she insists on doing it. Uh and then uh Shirley proceeds to uh to fix Nell. Uh and as she she leaves the workroom, uh she sees uh, uh uh the ghost of her mother. Yes. Um
0: uh, does her mother say anything, or do you recall? Um, she doesn't say anything, or I don't, I don't think she says anything, but what she does do is she has uh, a, the box that they buried the kittens in, and mm-hmm. she she's, snaps it open, and that's enough to uh, um, spur Shirley to flee the, the scene,
1: yes. Because and, that's uh, one
0: thing that she hasn't dealt with. I think was the original problem, of, right. of the of the death of the kittens. Like she's put that aside and left it in the past, buried. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. Not that she's supposed to go dig up the kittens, but she's just not dealt with the trauma that that obviously caused her, right? Which is something that all of the every every single one of these kids has has that ghost of you know, their experience like has formed like their, the core of their adult personality. Right. And to, to their detriment. I mean, um, yes, at least uh, psychologically. I mean, they may be successful in what they're doing, but they're all in some way heavily affected by the, you know, the, the specter of their mother's death, whether or not they want to admit it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also uh before we move on to the third episode uh this is also when they kind of introduce um this uh the the concept that um uh, I'm sorry I can't remember the mother's name. Mm, even I have to go look it up. It's uh is it Olivia? Yes. The the parents are Hugh and Olivia. Okay, father is Hugh, Uh, mother is Olivia. Olivia is trying to talk to Shirley, or Cheryl, uh, Shirley uh, about the 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 death of the kittens, and suffers a a massive headache, um, uh, Uh,
0: which Hugh
1: yes uh which Hugh uh, refers to as as a color storm when olivia makes it back into the bedroom and this starts up uh uh the the implication that uh olivia is um uh psychic uh, which is explored uh really explored in the uh next episode but it 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 sets up that that all of the children might have some sort of like psychic sensitivity to the supernatural um with this this particular episode um and so that's uh really important because that's what the next episode touch is all about um uh, were uh did was there anything else from uh open Casket that you wanted to cover Dave No I don't. think okay um and uh touch is uh framed with theo who um has been living with shirley in uh a side uh like I guest house so. yeah yeah and this is Theodora, um,
0: the middle sister
1: yes um so uh theodore has been living with shirley um uh the episode starts with um with her and uh luke who discovered uh a dumb waiter and has been playing with it this of course flashbacks to the house um and uh she uh helps luke get into the dumb waiter uh he wants to by the way and uh tries to send him upstairs but instead sends him down to the basement where he is um traumatized by a ghost yes <laughs> right easiest, easiest way to yeah send that part <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yes uh big big uh big spooky basement ghost um and of course, her parents discover it when Luke starts screaming A jump waiter comes up, and they uh they blame him, and uh no, they don't blame him they blame theo i'm sorry that that's right they blame Theo about it, and um so uh that sets up uh is it uh do we then flash forward and discover that Theo is like a social worker um,
0: um yes it, it-
1: gets into that a little bit uh so uh theo's a social worker uh she's uh working with this uh little girl who keeps talking about this monster named mr smiley uh that lives in the basement um and uh theo is trying to like figure out what uh trauma this uh uh this girl is is dealing with but doesn't have a clue um i think it flashes back to uh the house um theo uh figures out like gets luke to help her figure out uh where the basement is because there's no records of the house having a basement
0: yeah it's plans and the parents think it's just a crawl space Uh, and a, a large part of the problem is these these children while they're living with their parents rely really on on each other they have relationship with their parents but i think it's strained due to one reason or another and luke as the one of the youngest um he's doubting of himself because no one will believe him and right he asks theo you know i don't know if she asks her but she says that she believes him and mm-hmm. he, you know he's specifically saying that his you know his parents are denying that there's even a basement and he just got scared uh, right being stuck in the dumbwaiter so theo goes out of her way to help him prove that there is in fact a basement Right. In the house. That, of course, isn't on the plans. And, she, you know, they do the standard, if you walk so far in a room, uh, but you do the same in other floors and the room goes further than the wall is supposed to be, mm-hmm. then there's extra space somewhere.
1: Right. Um. And Theo discovers the basement and discovers uh, a screen. A uh, scrap of uh luke's uh turn uh torn pajamas and this is where we get the confirmation that theo can just feel incidents or emotions by touching things and people um which is uh which um blends into her her current day life by the fact that she constantly wears gloves um Fancy because one. yes because she uh it appears that she's uh uh not capable of turning it off no it is just something
0: she's just going to get uh, uh i don't know if it's a flash for sensation she pulls like emotions and past memories and stuff that she just doesn't want to see or right. have to deal with like every second of the day because it right. yeah it does not turn off um but she also uses this to uh, the benefit of helping children yes and that's her trauma is she potentially feels that she wasn't able to do everything she could to help you know her siblings or her mother um Mm -hmm. and has turned that into her like life's work basically is, is helping other people even though she can't really help herself
1: right Um,
0: or her siblings as it turns out
1: (laughs) right Um, yes because when um, when Theo discovers the news about Nell she's angry at her she's angry because like everybody else she believes that uh, her mother committed that Olivia committed suicide and thinks that um, uh, Nell Nell, (laughs) yes should have known better and that she should have known what suicide does to this family. Um, so when Nell's body arrives uh, in the previous episode, because that's uh, this is actually another aspect of the filmmaking that I I appreciate, which is um, uh, reuse of scenes um, that oh, then yeah. br- branch off because we're now following this other character. So the, because the
0: film is not chronological like at all no it's it's constantly jumping back to the past to the future to like a week earlier there's not a a specific stream of time that this follows right um and as you mentioned when it does jump back it might just completely follow a different person so we're getting we're getting the whole story of like everything that happens it's just in little drops
1: yeah um Uh, So Theo leaves when Nell's body arrives because she's she's so upset. Yeah. Um, But she eventually comes back uh, to the funeral home uh, and uh, touches Nell's forehead, uh, ungloved, and then collapses and uh, screams. Um,
0: And we don't know what she saw.
1: Right. That's also... um, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's also another thing that I also really appreciate. It's not. It's not. She touches something, and then there's just flashes all over the screen of pictures or 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 quick cuts. It's just an an actor and their reaction to yeah. whatever the character is feeling, and I think that that's infinitely more effective that no, it way is
0: because we. We know that, um, or I guess because of this, we're, we're giving the information that she's... None of these um, children or adults or, you know, the, the characters are reliable narrators. Right. Um, we have to get, like, the whole picture from all the sources and then kind of draw your own conclusion as to what's actually going on because it's under doubt the entire time what anyone's ever seen. Uh, and, and even when they're seeing something, you'll get the idea that no one else can see that thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's it's rare that multiple people are perceiving the same thing the same way. Right. Um, and, and because her sensitivity is, I think, tied to emotions, emotions just don't um, convey themselves the same like across the spectrum right and this allows i think almost a better understanding of what she's seeing than actually mm-hmm. just showing us snippets or something right and it also doesn't give away anything it's a it's, right. a it's a very good way to you know play your um cards close to the vest
1: yeah um and that's the uh that's the episode touch uh, yeah
0: there is a little bit with um the the little girl that she's helping um in therapy and she says that uh her her ability doesn't work on everything it doesn't mm-hmm. work on everyone um because it relies on a an open state of mind i think mm-hmm. so if if it's something that you put, you willfully suppress yourself she can't pick it up So, you know, she tries to use her ability to help this little girl that she knows something's horribly happened to. Something's, you know, her intuition and her experience leads her to believe that it's probably not a monster in the basement, but something potentially worse. Mm. And she can't access that information um, directly from the girl. It's not helping. So she does... Uh, of her own volition and I guess beyond the bounds of her, her specific job um, does make a house call, which is something she normally does not do in her, in her daily profession. Uh, and through the, um, her investigation of the, the girl's home, cause the girl's an adopted um, child. Okay. So through the investigation of the foster home, she finds out that, uh, it's it's not a a place um that should have been allowed to have foster children I guess Right. We'll, we'll we'll leave it there it's not um good things did not happen to this child uh, and right. uh she's able to at least prevent that from happening again um by calling in like child services so it's um right uh combined with some of the events in the the previous episode the, these episodes are they're not really for children. Like there's no. an age limit that I would put on this. Um, I don't even. I don't even think this is PG thirteen. It's probably rated R.
1: Just oh yeah. Because yeah, of The
0: subject matter that this that that the whole series um, traffics in.
1: Yeah, uh, like the the series is rated TV MA, which yeah. effectively uh, uh, an R for films. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. This it's, is it's,
0: it's on, that way on purpose there's a lot yeah. of stuff that um i think even as adults is they don't make this easy viewing no um, which lends to making it harder to like binge watch it like i find mm-hmm. that i can only watch maybe two episodes at a go and then i have to like go do something
1: else do a palate yeah. cleanse yeah i uh i but it also I just ha- to think about what
0: actually was going on and all the little there's a lot of details going on in these in these you know 45 minutes of, of uh, tv
1: mm. um yeah uh, i i had meant i had to do three episodes in one night um uh so yeah it's a it's it it can it can be a rough set but it also lends to um to to post viewing digestion before you you get back in um so uh that's touch and uh the next episode is entitled the the twin thing um which even though it's uh about the twins it's mainly about luke um luke uh has had it uh, has had it the worst of all the children's uh, uh children as an adult um as he, a he, child too i think yeah yeah he yeah or, true
0: or i just got the short end of the stick the whole whole time
1: yeah um uh luke uh has seen the basement ghosts there's been uh, uh, infrequent talk about uh, a a a friend that luke has named abigail um who seemingly lives in the forest um she's been depicted twice up until this point and uh, he's drawn pictures of her um which everyone just believes is luke's imaginary friend um so, uh, Luke and, uh, Nell, uh, Luke finds a bowler hat, uh, that his mother, uh, actually Luke's given a bowler hat that his mother finds in the attic and just wears it around the house because that's what kids do and kids love.
0: <laughs> his father bribed him to be able to keep it. That's right. And that was kind of like, I don't know, it was weird. So oh. uh, it, it's in reaction to Luke's experience in the basement, and his father uh, wants him to ad- wants Luke to admit that it was like just a nightmare, like he just <clears> scared <throat> himself being in the dumpster, yes. and there was no ghost because he's insisting, right. of course, that there's a spooky thing in the basement. Um, and he he says, "Oh, yo, yo, you can keep the hat, um, provided you admit." That what you saw was just a uh, figment of your imagination. I mean, he uses different wording than that, but that's the, that's the gist of it. He's like, right. grow up and you can have this adult hat is, is what he yes. said to him. Uh, oh, put this in preference that Luke is like, was he like seven? Yeah, he's, he's super he's really young. little.
1: Yeah. Um super young. And it's also worth mentioning that in, 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 in the previous episode touch, uh Theo does find the basement. So yes. her parents are wrong that it wasn't just the crawl space, it was a basement used for bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Uh and even with that information, uh uh Hank is, well, he's is telling is, him is... to
0: deny the ghost. I don't think right. he's to deny I mean, the basement. Yeah.
1: Right. But still, it's just like, yeah. I'm i'd be a little I, I think with all of the incidents combined granted because the 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 story's not told in chronological order um uh, it's there's just so much gnarly weird stuff going on and affecting each child differently and i suppose that's the that's the real factor that um uh, why they're not taking it seriously is because it's not like this w- big huge unified haunting it's it's the the house affecting the children in different ways yeah. um and it's, and it's it, not
0: in not always in a tangible way because what each one is experiencing even at the same time i think is different uh, right and the the hauntings the ghosts are singular manifestations where something can occur that looks like it's physically affecting like a room in particular Mm -hmm. um but other people not inside that room don't hear or see anything right so it's it's not really a wonder that uh particularly the father is denying this um it doesn't last that long he's one of the, the people insisting that something's Horribly wrong with this house, and right doesn't want to deal with it. And he's who gets all the children out of the house um, on the night that their their mother died. And he right. knows what happened. The audience does not. The children do not nope.
1: Right, because he told the children to close their eyes and not open them until they uh, got or in the car. Yeah. Um. So um, in- back to Luke yes uh uh present day luke's clean 90 days he's a, a heroin addict has been a heroin addict for like a decade i think yeah, they say school, i believe yeah um and uh the uh luke and Nell have the twin thing uh where they can uh sense each other's pain and feel uh things that physically happen to them um uh luke's luke's like doing it he's doing it for the first time ever uh well for the first time in a in a really long time he's clean and sober even though none of the siblings believe him in an earlier episode it looks like when steven gets home he runs into luke who is robbing him uh which we are then given context for in this episode um but so no one trusts luke um he he didn't get to go to Nell's wedding. He showed up and was shooed away by Shirley. Um, but he's doing it now, and we flash back, and it's uh, Luke and Nell, uh, playing with a uh, oh god, what would you call it? Like a, a a call call pipe? Can I just call it the call pipe? Pipe. Um, I don't. Um, there's a word for it. It's, a, it's like
0: a analog intercom
1: yeah where it's just a yeah (laughs) it's just yeah call pipe it's just a fluted pipe that goes into uh one of the bedrooms upstairs directly into the kitchen and uh luke and nell are uh, nell are playing uh where nell throws uh buttons down the call pipe to land in luke's hat and she throws uh three and only two come up uh, come out, and then Luke hears uh, uh, someone's yes, uh, spooky voice calling for Clara. Uh, and then the third, uh, after a prolonged amount of time, the third button pops out. Um, flashback, uh, flash forward, uh, one of Luke's friends, uh, Joey, uh, runs away from the halfway house. Uh, that they uh, live at uh, to uh, get high. Luke himself runs away looking for Joey or given context uh, for this by uh, uh, discovering that Joey was the one who really helped and supported Luke and actually like helped him get clean this time. Uh, and Luke's trying to save Joey uh we flash back and to uh the to my favorite ghost uh so far we who we've been getting hints of i um i like to call him the long man because i think the tall man kind of um
0: it just sounds like from phantasm
1: yeah and and man. yeah and and also doesn't really convey like how tall he is but when you it's say undaimly. the long yeah yeah <laughs> um but yes, Luke hears something in the door. Uh, uh, little baby Luke hears something in the hallway of the house and uh, creeps out of his bed, opens the door. And I actually missed it the the first time um, where he looks around the left side of the corner. I didn't recognize it as a figure, but there is an uns, uh, like unsightly tall man um, floating just like a couple of, inches off of the floor with a uh, a long walking stick floating down the hallway and opening each and every one of the bedroom doors. Um, uh, Luke sees this. Uh, It's really effective. It's absolutely silent. You don't get a good look at the ghost. Um, Luke creeps back to his bed, hides under his bed. The ghost comes in, uh, looks at Nell, looks at Luke's bed. And grabs the bowler hat and uh puts it back on and uh is about to leave when Luke gasps and the ghost discovers him um cut to the present luke's uh found Joey because she he knows where she she likes to buy from uh is uh going to really trying trying to save her um goes to Steven's house uh discovers that stephen and his wife had separated um but he does manage to get the stephen's current address for his apartment uh that's when he goes in uh breaks into stephen's apartment to steal a camera and an ipad and that's when they have the exchange from episode one um and then uh, meets up with Joey, says he's gonna get a hotel for a couple of ga- days, help her get clean. Uh, Joey uh, grabs the money, or uh, gives gives Joey the money, worst idea ever. Joey says that she needs to relieve herself in an alley and disappears. And Luke is uh, now on the street because he can't go back to the half- halfway house because he broke cur- curfew. He's jumped by some thugs. He's gets his shoes stolen. Um, and just has like his lowest moment.
0: Yeah, it's not a good day. And no. uh, we have to frame this with the entire time that he has um, fled the, the or namely flee. He, he left to go help Joey. That's what right. he, he's not escaping. He wants to go back. He's trying to take her back. But uh um, right the entire time he's been seeing the long man um, out of the corner of his eye or just in the crowd or Mm. around, but always, always turned away. Like we don't ever see him, which makes it way worse
1: for some reason. Um, uh, We also get uh, introduction to the ritual from, from past Luke with Nell uh, for, uh, uh, the, the seven stones, one for each member of the family, and that, uh, Nell just has to count each of them out loud, and it'll keep the bit-neck woman away from her. Yeah, anything Um, anything scary keeps it away. Yes. And, like, the,
0: it's, like, well, it's actually fairly heartbreaking, because he's- He's framing it that you have to have the seven things, and each of these are the family members. They have to be together to uh, scare away anything bad. So right. just in that frame, uh, the fractured family can't function. Right. And even as a child, like this little kid understands that but can't put it into words other than like this magical little cantrip. Uh, yeah. And also, that um, he's telling her, he's like, you have to count it. You have to count each one seven, you know, to count them one, two, three, four, five. You have to say it out loud. And he's like, yeah. sometimes you have to do it a lot. Yeah. That was like heartbreaking. Yeah. He has to, the only thing way he has to deal with anything scary is by just repeating something to himself as a mantra, like over and over and over, and just hoping that that might alleviate whatever's bothering him.
1: Right um which really applies to to modern day luke because oh, yeah. he he still does it and uh, you, you know we we discover that the reason that he's been uh, using heroin is because he's been seeing the long man ever since
0: yeah his entire life so right he's just trying to make it go away right and with counting doesn't work um you know being drugged up does at least, right. at least numbs him enough, and he, he specifically refers to it as getting well, um, yes, because it it's his coping mechanism, and that's uh, that's horrible. It's not great at all, um, particularly when you know it's not something minor. He has to he has to go all the way to heroin to make anything effective,
1: right? And and this is actually kind of sets up this double jeopardy situation with him. In this episode because he's on the streets he's seeing the long man he's counting it's not working you start what the viewer starts wondering is he actually going to break his 90 days is he going to go back to heroin he doesn't thankfully um there is a really fantastic scene um, late at night, right before the episode ends, with Luke walking down the street doing his seven count, and the long man is behind him, and he starts walking again, and without turning around, the long man is exactly seven paces behind him, floating down the street, keeping up with him backwards. Um, backwards. It's 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 yeah, it's a it's a really great scene um and luke eventually turns around and confronts him and it's his mother grant um what he sees is his mother um wearing the bowler hat uh with yeah um and then disappears and uh Steven and uh, I, I guess his caseworker, the woman who runs the halfway house. Um, it's not uh, his,
0: yeah, she just, she just manages the that halfway house. Um, yeah. But one thing we do want to mention is that this entire night, um, mm-hmm. Luke has been uh, experiencing, or at least the last half of the night, he's been experiencing what would otherwise be the symptoms of withdrawal. And we know he's been clean for um, the 90 days right or is it 60 it's been a while 90. 90, 90, it, 90 days. Yeah. so yeah he's been clean he hasn't touched anything there's been a few parts where he may have had the chance to um get his hands on, on some drugs from the dealers but from from our view he's not broken that right and, but he's getting clearly sicker and sicker the entire night so you're going mm-hmm. like did he do something You're the whole time you're just like you're, you're left doubting everybody and it's effective for the the film but also like unfortunate because you don't want to particularly with Luke he's tried so hard
1: right Um, and he keeps saying and when uh, when uh, Steve finds him he keeps saying he's so cold it feels like he's coming down his arms and his legs are so stiff Um, and and Steven then tells him that Nell is dead and that's actually what he's been experiencing experiencing. rigor mortis and that's even worse yeah right um and so um that uh I think that brings brings us to the next episode yeah uh oh uh and of course but of course because of the twin thing Luke uh at the end of the episode Luke says that Nell's death wasn't a suicide yeah. um and that brings us to the final episode of of today coverage uh the bent neck lady which uh is Nell's story. Um do you wanna take this one Dave?
0: Sure. Um this was for me this was probably the up to now the most difficult one to to watch because uh Nell's character is aside from Luke but maybe the most sympathetic. Yeah. Like it we get the most um picture of her as a child and as like a wrecked adult so because of her um emotional and i guess it's like psychosomatic attachment to her brother uh, Mm -hmm. who's been on on and off of heroin or other drugs his entire life she gets all the symptoms from that she gets all the times that he's comes down from his high or that he's going through withdrawal she's dealt with that second hand she she can feel if he like stubs his toe or mm-hmm. vice versa right um, and they and they they do make a point of like illustrating that so everything that one or the other goes through it's shared so you're and, and being in a bad situation for either of them um, has just doubled the pain in they' like adult life. They're, they're right. dealing for two, and that's mm-hmm. harder because neither of them are in a great situation. Um, so she's been unable to sleep. So while Luke has been visited by the long man his entire life, um, she's been suffering in infrequent visions of the, the bent neck lady. So she yes. visited, I think it's like a total of five times or so. Um, mm-hmm. but the experience has left to marks on her because it doesn't allow her to sleep because she dreams of the neck lady um where it's not a direct visitation it's something that's just it's literally haunting her
1: right um, and and she also has se- sleep paralysis yes um which is uh for those <laughs> of you that don't know yeah are, is 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 quite honestly like i can only imagine like the most terrifying thing a human person could a human being could ever experience um for those that don't know uh sleep paralysis typically uh involves you uh waking up but being unable to move for a period of time uh dirt while you while you sleep um it's yeah and uh because the lines are blurred between and they say that in the episode because the lines are blurred between dreaming and and wakefulness, you can have uh horrifying hallucinations like, wait, during wait. it, yeah, um which she does yes, um uh and she's she actually goes in for this, and this is where she meets uh arthur uh he's just a technician at a- sl- uh, for a sleep study. Technologist, um, not a technician. Oh yes, yes, technologist. <laughs> point
0: of saying, sleep <laughs> tech is for
1: sleep technologist. <laughs> um, really and cool they day. hit, yeah, and they hit it off. They have, um, a whirlwind, it, it get a montage of a dating montage? Yes. Um, but uh out of everyone, um, Nell seems to have been, despite everything, Nell seems to be the most well adjusted out of all of the kids post. Yeah, I mean she's because
0: her experiences are um manifesting specifically as sleep paralysis. Right. Once she's able to solve that problem, uh her life is manageable. You're right. So it's hinging on Arthur's support. Um, like everyone right. else, she she can't do it by herself. And right. And she definitely can't rely on her brother, which is the one that she should be able to rely on the most. Mm-hmm. Um, becomes actually probably the worst thing for her. Yeah. Which is good that he's in um, rehab and it's doing well. So that's also con- you know contributing. Uh, she's She's able to tell other people that, you know, her... Yes, he's... He is doing better, even if her right. siblings don't um believe in Luke right they should be able to trust her because he's like, "I haven't gone to see him, but I know he's doing better because i haven't I haven't felt like I'm relapsing
1: right um but yes, Nell and Arthur have a whirlwind romance uh marriage. there are a few incidents of her having uh sleep paralysis that Arthur walks her through she has uh after the marriage she has uh another uh incident and they go through the steps he tells her that he's going to get up and turn on the light like he always does uh stumbles and falls over um uh and cue the appearance of the bent neck woman uh nell's finally able to break out but and crawl to him but unfortunately arthur's dead uh an aneurysm um it's re- it's a it's a really tough scene to to watch it's a uh, whole
0: episode nothing like this was yeah. like i said we said one of the more difficult ones because she's so sympathetic and nothing affecting her is like her own fault right, right. yeah so with with luke it's a little bit more we understand it's a coping mechanism right that doesn't make it any better um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for for now she's suffering her own problems but also luke's problems too so right it's just um harder to see that she has this like time of happiness that crushes her right because it falls away
1: um and she uh she's been she's seeing a therapist um and and she blames the bent neck woman for for um the death for um, of her, um her husband husband yeah um and and this begins uh, her downward spiral she uh she's taking uh medication um she stops taking her meds um she calls theo to her house and uh Theo thinks that they're just going to hang out go and Nell calls her over spe- specifically to use her to sense Arthur um and and Theo doesn't and they get into a a really ugly fight um and that kind of cuts off um Theo and Nell's relationship um she goes to one of Stephen's uh, book signings and calls him out about um, his career um, using the family's horrible trauma as a, as a means of making money that shatters that relationship. Um, And that seems to be a through line throughout this episode, which is Nell uh, uh, systematically destroying her relationship with the rest of the family because she seems to be the one that everyone's cool with. Um, yeah, like no, every- no one
0: has a problem with her. And she, right. in turn, because she's the reliable one, generally, she's kind of the linchpin for the for the family. And right. She's the stone um, that can't be missing. Um, yes. Yeah, they're all equal in that, but she's just a little bit more important because she's also the driving force of uh the the general adult plot you know her mm-hmm. her death is what again it's like her life it's bringing everyone back together um right even if they don't want it to i mean you wouldn't want it to but it's that's what's happening
1: right and uh um she she downward spirals and eventually um well, she's as she's taking as,
0: her medication also. Right.
1: Um, uh, yeah, the, stop taking her medication. Completely carpet bombs her relationships with a, relationship with a number of her family members. Luke's in rehab. Uh, there's a really, really awful scene of Luke uh, contacting Nell, saying that he really wants to get clean, uh, and, but that he needs to get well one more time, yeah, and, and and for and and basically guilt Snell into buying heroin for him one last time before he gets clean. Um which I I'm not sure about the time of this, but this might actually be the time that he does stay clean for the ninety days, but I'm uh, yeah, not entirely last, sure.
0: That's the last um time he uses, at least in context of what's occurred yeah so the um beginning of his um 90 day um internment in the uh rehabilitation center
1: right um uh and uh and Nell Nell keeps seeing the the bent neck woman uh, uh but uh when when um luke uses she see i think this might be like the first time she sees her in a non-sleep state um in the present anyway. Right. Um, uh not she uh, Nell's not asleep. She sees her standing outside of the car down the street in the rain, just on the street. And this I think that is probably the thing that really kicks off her, like like cements her descent. Um she finally uh uh she she kind of just gives up and goes back to the house. Um, and when she she enters, it's it's one of those like you know fantasy idyllic scenarios, right? Yeah. Um. She she has um.
0: So this is the first instance where we really notice that what's happening to these kids uh, mm-hmm. isn't. What's going on in the real world like it's it's a subjective experience because she's mm-hmm. entering a house of of an it's like an illusion tailored specifically for her right so she's going back and um the house is using the guise of her mother to entice her back. that's basically kind of what it boils down to.
1: Mm. Um yes so she 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 walks into this this fantasy illusion that the house projecting um uh Arthur's there alive uh there's there's a a bit with her mother's locket which contains a picture of of Luke and Nell Nell in it um uh, during the fantasy she puts that on but it turns out to be a noose um and then
0: uh well her mother puts it on her so that's a yes there minute. we go um, the, right it, in an earlier episode um or maybe been part of this episode the Nell had asked her mother because it's the, the locket that her mother always wore and she was mm-hmm. like when I get older can I have one like that and then her mother tells her when you get older I'll give this to you right so now flash forward 20, 20 some, 26 years um her mother's giving her that locket. Right. But really, but it's, a tur- it's a ghost sticking a noose on her. But
1: yeah. Right. And and then uh pushes uh and then is pushed from the top of the stairs by the spectre of her mother. Um and she breaks her neck and dies, but as she dies, she falls backwards through time, and it's revealed that. In fact, Nell was the bent neck woman the entire time. It's the worst.
0: Yeah. So every, inc- every incidence where the bent neck woman appeared is Nell falling into that moment to scare herself. Like not, not on purpose. She can't right. stop her fall. But, um, right. But it's also her realizing that. And that's, that's the worst aspect of it. She knows that she's predestined to be this ghost because it's already happened. Um, right. So there's yeah. no way for her to escape this. Right. Yeah. Um, At least as it, far it, as she's concerned. Um, yeah. Um, it's it is actually the worst. It's the it's, worst because she's sitting there going, no, 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 no. And she can right. see what's going to happen and how right. it's going to end. I mean, it's already ended. It's done. Uh right. And a, a point of note, um, her doctor uh, Mm-hmm. Is the the actor that portrays Nell's doctor was the original Luke um, from the first movie? You know? Oh, okay, that's so, so great. It's a little cameo that they've arranged.
1: That uh, yeah, great. Love those. Um, very cool. Um, makes me makes me super happy when they they take the time to do little nods, even if only a handful of people get them. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the first five episodes. That's halfway through the series. Point, yes, um, yeah, and I, and I think
0: once we have uh, all of us back on board, we'll we'll finish this up. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to take the time. Maybe I I watched the nineteen ninety nine version of the film fairly recently. Um, <laughs> I think maybe we will will cap this off with watching the original film um and if one of us provided the time exists uh have a chance to to read the book um uh, we'll we'll try to get that to have a, a a better picture of this series and you know where it started and how it ended up uh, right and then do a little as the as the 10 episodes finish you know we'll discuss these ghosts specifically in length because they are all um as we found out very specific uh, yes and in the unfortunate case of the bent neck lady um one of the cast members like one of the children that's yes I don't know this was not expected. Um and yeah. that's also why they don't show the face of the, the bent-neck right
1: lady. Yeah. Um but yeah it's yeah the,
0: it's too late. <laughs>
1: we yeah but yeah it, it yeah the show's yeah the show is kind of is kind of a rough set um not because it's super super scary but because it's 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 about the damage that childhood trauma uh inflicts on people that they carry with them for the yeah. rest of their lives it just so happens that this 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 trauma is is specifically ghost related it yeah. is absolutely right all of these things
0: could have like this idea of these things happening and how they shape your life and how and your interactions with everyone else and vice versa uh it's really poignant Mm -hmm. like this was a well done idea um and i haven't watched further than this this episode so i don't know i've I've heard that maybe the the toward the ending this drops off a little bit, but we'll um, we'll find out, I guess, uh, for ourselves and let you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think that wraps it up. I don't think there's anything else that we needed to to cover. Is there anything else you wanted to?
1: No, I think that we finished up. No, I think that that pretty much covers it. Um this is uh so far it's a it's it i mean i'm i'm interested uh and continuing i i hope it's sixth landing there there's there's some there's some stuff that isn't great like there's some effects work that isn't great there's some effects there's some effects and and shots that are 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 legitimately fantastic um i i do recommend the show if you can if you can deal with the subject matter because it is pretty heavy and, yeah. it's, and, and it's, we've skirted it's um
0: some of the, the stronger topics. Yeah. um but mostly not because i didn't want to discuss it but because it's kind of better left to the viewer yeah um, taking away some of the impact of the series to, to unpack it fully. Right. Right. Uh, so if, if anyone wants to discuss any of this at length, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll freely do that, um, via DM or something. Uh, but right. Not, I think in the context of the show, uh, well, we'll see how the, the second part of this goes. This is, um, I believe we're up to episode 60. Um, of Monster Deer Monster, so
1: that oh my goodness, is Look, a it's milestone! 60. I don't know,
0: but it's sixty episodes of uh fun, fun and spooky things fun. and the ghosts yep. that you can hear in in the background right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I, well, that'll wrap us up for Haunting of Hill House Part One of the yes. series. Uh, we will return in a few weeks. Um, there may be a little bit of a gap due to uh few holidays coming up for some of us and i think we'll we'll take a break um, take right some of that uh but we should be back within a week uh with a, a special episode so we'll, we'll see how that goes um if all goes, goes according to plan uh, otherwise that's us uh signing off for this episode leonard where can folks find you on the interwebs
1: they can find me at uh on twitter at dr faust Dead one word, um, uh, and they can find me on YouTube. I have decided to stop reading out my YouTube URL. Just search for "Doctor Faust is dead" on YouTube. I should actually be the first result because I, I've tested it myself. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll make content. I'll make con- new content one day. Actually, it's looking pretty good that it'll be sometime soon uh i think my schedule's about to shift back to normal um uh, within the next week excellent and and dave where can people find you on the
0: you can find me on twitter at sentinaut underscore plus uh or you can reach all of us um there's contact information on monsterdeermonster.com so that'll have the email which we do check semi-regularly probably should check it a little <laughs> more often but uh we do check it, and if you want to send us things that way, that's great. Um, if you want to drop us some reviews, we are on iTunes as well. We would like some reviews, also, also nice. Um, our other co-host Cameron is on Twitter at night underscore twitten. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find us and the show. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it for episode sixty. Yes. Of Monster Dear Monster. Signing off. Bye-bye. Bye.